Hey listeners, you're going to want to mark this date. Friday the 16th of October, the grand reopening of the Prince Charles Cinema. Just look out for the KPCC hit caravan and me. I'll be out there signing autographs. If you want a picture of me and my official every time you torrent God kills a cinema t-shirt, well then I just might oblige. But hey, I got some exciting guests on the show today. Makers of a hit podcast, visitors from the east. Oops, hold on girls, not those mop tops. Ha ha ha, I'm just talking about London's own, the Bod Charles Cinecas. Say hello, fellas. Hi. <laughs> and here's their hit podcast. I would do like a little physical dance. I do like a little dance. Yeah. And only now am I realizing that nobody can see me at home. Yeah. It's kind of, it's it's very much wasted. It's just for me though. And I enjoy it. It's just for you. Good. I enjoy it. Good. I'm enjoying Um, so much. Good. You you better be. Um, Otherwise, why am I here? (laughs) Um, I'm okay. I mean, I'm not, but you know. For the yeah. purposes of this episode, I, I'll, I'm okay. We're going to pretend. I'm like, <laughs> going to pretend. I'm like one built coffee away from like topping myself at any moment. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. It's very depressing. <laughs> very depressing. But I like, you know, totally I totally mean, get it's it. Like, I totally get it. It's, it's like, like I'm teetering on an edge. <laughs> <laughs> I was walking down the stairs earlier with a coffee and it's some dripped out and I was just like wanting to throw the whole mug down. <laughs> like what's the point? What's the point? Might as well kill myself. <laughs> I actually feel better now. Welcome to the Pod Charles Cinecast Rewind. presented by the Prince Charles Cinema. This is your host, John the Foster, and this is the boy wonder Phil. The sad boy wonder. We're redoing this whole intro now because that's that's the bants at the beginning. We need it. <laughs> <laughs> Phil is on my god. He's on on the edge. He's on the edge. Don't push me. Don't push him because we come <laughs> to the edge of the bed. <laughs> I told you. I just told you we got a new bed and it doesn't have like a footboard and stuff. And I feel Ooh. like I'm about to fall off at any given any moment. Angle. I'm floating. You're floating on the. That's nice. It's mustard. Believe it or not, I'm floating on bed. <laughs> <laughs> There's Sorry. a lot of music in this episode. I mean, come on. This is going to be a lot, music. a lot of music going on. And uh, uh, yeah, a lot. Yeah. Phil, besides uh, that depressing intro that we just had there, are you doing okay? <laughs> actually or are you just legit on edge i mean i get it because last week i was saying that i was feeling better and mm-hmm. then like two days after that i was just like hello darkness my friend so you know come to talk with you we're up and down we're up and down i'm in the currently in a down yeah but like i don't know it might just be this week i feel like i've had i feel like i was like thrust back into the world this week and i yeah. wasn't really ready for it um, we had like a little, like a little staff reunion, um, which was nice. 
mm. where we got to meet up and everybody was wearing masks and distant thing. But we got to hang out for a few for a bit. It's nice to see everyone, but it only reinforced my like. Anxiety I've completely stuff. forgotten how to, anxiety. I've completely forgotten how to talk to people. Yeah, and um, yeah, and then like a few days later, I met up with some friends who I'd, like hadn't seen in a while, and again, like you know, sort of, it's just a lot. It's fun, but it's just like a lot happening at once. Yeah, like literally when you, you texted me before, you're like. Oh, are you ready to go? I was like, I'm gathering my energy. I was literally just <laughs> lying on the bed, lying on everything set up, just lying on the bed, just like, oh, man. Yeah. Like, <sighs> I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm better. Yeah. <laughs> not conditioned to be around people anymore. Yeah. I mean, I did not go to this um, staff meetup thing because I had to record the legend episode that's Available now on patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast. You can go over there for a legendary episode. It's Ridley Scott's 1985 cult classic that's a bit of a, a weird one, but it was a, certainly a fun episode to record myself and Ariane over there on Patreon. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast. We got a lot of fun stuff planned in the next couple of weeks. Myself and Ariane are going to be continuing this uh fast and furious series that we're doing and we got a lot of other fun episodes planned over the next couple of months so stay tuned and as well as myself and phil we'll be doing a little special star wars ewoks battle of endor double feature (laughs) (laughs) the ewok double feature uh so yeah we'll be doing that soon as well keep an eye out for that but yeah i didn't go to hang out (laughs) with all the people and uh, I had a bit of FOMO for a bit, but then I was just kind of like, actually, I didn't really feel like going out. <laughs> anyway, no, you didn't miss much. So I was just like, all right. Um, but yeah, it's okay. I'll see people soon. I think they're going to try to do some more of those meetups soon with staff members and stuff yeah. and as we get closer and closer to the grand opening, which do, 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 do. at the moment we're looking at the 16th of October. It's the first day back for the cinema and obviously we've got a lot of cool films on sale over there like for instance 2001 A Space Odyssey. Maybe we'll do an episode on that soon. 70 millimeter. What a perfect way to come back. We've been talking about that for the last couple of weeks. Got a lot of good stuff. I mean we've been talking about things like buying new you know, merchandise over at pccwebstore.com. There's a lot of great stuff. But the best way to help us is if you can buy a ticket to one of these upcoming films. There's a lot of good stuff coming up. We've been putting stuff on every day. I just put The Matrix on sale before I hit record on this podcast. So there's a lot of cool stuff coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, we'll be putting out pretty much the rest of the year in the next couple of weeks. Uh, things are moving really fast. You're going to have October, November, and even the Christmas program. It's always badass in December coming on sale very, very soon in the next few weeks. So keep an eye out at PrinceCharlesCinema.com. Get your tickets. That's the best way to help us right now. It's the best way to ensure our future. And then if you just want to pimp us out, tell your friends about <laughs> us, go to PCCWebStore.com. Get some good merch. For your body. For your body. <laughs> Phil, we can't go back to the cinema just yet. We're not open just yet, but we're going to keep talking about mm. good films every single week on this podcast because we're going to yep, keep rocking. Week. 
We're never stopping. <laughs> never stop. Never, never dying. Stop. Never stop. Never stopping. But Phil, before we get into the meat and potatoes of this week's episode, I'm going to put you on the spot with a question that I haven't done. I haven't done this sort of thing in a couple of weeks. It's been quite a few weeks now. But I got to just ask you something because it's relevant to what we're talking about today without mentioning the name of the band that we're talking about today. I just want to okay. know what are some of your favorite fictional fictional music fictional. films or bands oh that's a good one because we're rocking we're rocking on the we're podcast rocking. today we're rocking around the clock um captain geach and the shrimp shack shooter i said don't mention <laughs> i didn't i didn't <laughs> <laughs> um i mean the biggest i mean the big one it's final tap right oh yeah they count because they did tour yeah i mean they're final tap they're, they're real now. Technically real, but yeah. They're played by men who are using fake names, so they're technically yeah. fake still. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the technically fake band, Final Tap. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're the one. I'm trying to think. Uh, Dewey Cox. Yeah. Dewey Cox is the one, man. Hell yeah. Wakard, guilty of charged. You know. <laughs> um, let me hold you, little man. Whatever the song is. <laughs> it's like Bob Dylan's song. I need to um, rewatch Walk Hard. Dear Mr. President, I love Walk yeah. Hard. I think it's so, so good. The band in from Duck Till Dawn, I don't know if they're a real band. They're called oh, Tito yeah. and Tarantula. Yeah. Um, but the songs they play in that movie, yeah, they're great. Um, <laughs> I wanted to say Guar from Empire Records, but they're real. Yeah, Guar's but real. They seem so fucking weird and fake in that movie. Although they are like, technically, I guess. They're, f- they're like not real aliens, but you know, they are very <laughs> yeah. much a real band. I've, I've got a few as well. Uh, so obviously, Spinal Tap's awesome. Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Solid. I've not seen it. Solid That's movie. Cool. That might come back to the program before too long. Uh, a Mighty Wind. If you want to go. <laughs> Mighty Wind, the blowing. If you want to go like uh, down the Spinal Tap roof, those guys. Always creating amazing, amazing films. Uh, walk hard for sure. All right. So this film, it goes nicely into what we were talk- talking about last week. One of the people who starred in last week's episode. I recently stumbled across a trailer for this film called Pray for Rock and Roll, which I completely forgot about. It stars Gina Gershon and Lori Petty. And Gina Gershon's like uh, aging rock and roller. It's very Joan Jett vibes. like. Mm. And Lori Petty's in her band. I remember seeing that like mid 2000s and it was just like really bad, but kind of fun. It was just like, they're like this all girl rock punk band. <laughs> it's hilarious. Speaking of another uh, really bad, but awesomely fun film. Have you ever seen the film called Starstruck from the eighties? It's a uh, Gillian Armstrong's film. Uh, it's an Australian like musical comedy. It's very new wave <laughs> and punk. It's really fun. No. If listeners out there, if any of you guys are aware of Starstruck, let me know. I love that film. It's very fucking hilarious. (laughs) Music is like really catchy, but dumb. It's like some dumb songs, but they're really, really catchy. And they get stuck in my head every so often when I think about that film. So yeah, hit me up. The PCC podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Let me know if you've seen Starstruck. That's all really good. I don't throw in, uh, I don't know the name. 
Lindsay Lohan's band in uh, Freaky Friday. Oh yeah, what are they called? <laughs> That's a great know, shot. Have, awesome. They have like one. They have like one song <laughs> that's really fucking catchy. Yeah, I'm gonna um, look that up real quick. Like, like I don't want to grow up. Whatever the song is, but Pink Slip. That's a good one. <laughs> pink Slip. Of course, it's fucking Pink Slip. <laughs> take me away. Take me away. I don't want to go out because it's a pandemic. Take me home. <laughs> <laughs> Actually works, yeah. Quarantine edition. Quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, those are all great bands, and there's plenty of awesome fictional bands. So listeners out there, let us know what are some of your favorite bands. Hit us up at the PCC Podcast, or you can email us at podcast.prinstrollcinema.com. But that leads us to, I mean, you know, pound for pound, one of the greatest, I'm saying one of the, because if I say the greatest, in my opinion, it's probably the greatest, but one of saves me because if, if I say one of, then that means that I'm not saying they are the, and then people won't get angry. Okay. In my opinion, this works, but in my honest opinion, I am (laughs) HO. The greatest band in fictional <laughs> band in cinema history. It is <laughs> the Oneaters. Hey, that's the Wonders. We're talking about that thing you do, baby. Guy Patterson didn't have a perfect job ah. or a perfect social life. What's going on down there? Cooking the books as usual, Dad. But what he did have. Oh was perfect timing. How about sitting in for Chad just for tonight? Why? Just broke his arm. And in one night... That's too fast, Guy. Slow down! Guy, slow down! Guy Patterson is going to take the wonders... ...from Garage... I almost slugged some girl. She had her eye on my Jimmy. ...to greatness. Here's somebody I want you to meet. Mr. White is with Playtone Records. That thing you do, you know, is snappy. We'd like to release it. We'd be on tour? Well, Mama, son who loves you just left us in the lurch. Darlene, you just got promoted. You mean you're going to start paying me? I didn't say that. America's own wonders! Put that down. That is a very expensive Ford plate. And we're off the stage before the applause dies out. It's very important you don't stink today. Hey, I make no guarantees. You guys look great in red. Have I told you that yet? Come on, pretty baby. You got the number seven record in the country. He's got a very pretty girlfriend, doesn't he? Is it serious, you know? Very serious. I'm single. What about the bass player? You fellas look great in gold. Have I told you that? What about Guy there? He's amazing. Amazing. 20th Century Fox presents... This is Mr. White. Are you sleeping? Just calling to tell you to get your patootie down to the television studio. You're going to be on TV tonight. Oh, wonderful. A story about the time in every life. When the hopes you hold on to... Very special, isn't she? And the dreams you dream... None of this would have happened if you hadn't joined the band. ...become that thing you do. and directed by Tom Hanks. Fabulous in the black suits. Have I told you that? Hi. Fabulous in the black suits. Down, 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 down. Thank you. 
doing that thing you do. I mean, catch. They play it like 20 times in the movie. If you don't yeah. like it when you start watching, you'll like it by the end. I'm pretty sure it's like 11 times, but it's cut up. Full. Fully. <laughs> like a couple of times in the film. Like different takes and all sorts of stuff. Anyway, yeah. Fucking. We'll get into it. Let's just get into it. And that music's playing over because it's going to be a lot of music going on. And I'm going to play it 11 times in this episode. <laughs> Good. <laughs> in this classic tale of one-hit wonders, set in the summer of 1964, eerie Pennsylvania garage band, the O'Neaters. Hey, that's the Wonders. Recruit Guy Patterson, an appliance salesman by day, jazz drummer by night. To fill in for their injured drummer for a local talent competition. The talented guy takes the band's catchy mellow tune and turns it into a massive chart climbing upbeat pop single that sends the wonders on the road to stardom, briefly rivaling the Beatles and other contemporary pop acts until it all goes down the drain. <laughs> It's a very common tale. <laughs> yeah, it's a very common tale. It's the 1996 musical comedy written by and directed by and co-starring Tom Hanks. Leave it. We're continuing our QAnon-inspired Tom Hanks, Tom Bill, <laughs> with That Thing yeah. You Do. Yeah, is that why we picked That Thing You Do? It's not just because it's an awesome film. This film's fucking awesome. It's so good. Uh, but it was also because we were like, Hey, it's another Tom Hanks film. We planned this a couple weeks ago. It's one of these films that like we've shown at the cinema, maybe like once since I've worked there, maybe twice. And I know once it was just because of our good pals over at the film again quiz. So if you're fans of the Prince Charles cinema, you want some good quiz in your life, go check out film again quiz. They're at Filmageddon Quiz everywhere. They quiz every Wednesday, it seems. They have a good podcast. And yeah, they love that thing you do. If I had put myself together a little bit better and prepared myself, maybe I would have actually invited one of them to come talk to us about this film today. But hey, I'm very bad at doing that these days. <laughs> that thing you do, though, I mean, I absolutely love this film. I saw it when it came out. I remember like vividly. You seen it Yeah, I saw it in cinemas, yeah. And I remember vividly like it coming out, the hype around it, uh, the new Tom Hanks film that he was his directorial debut. I remember like going to the cinema, being hyped, being hyped on the music when I was there. Uh, afterwards, bought like soundtrack on, I think, cassette. And then eventually <laughs> I bought it on CD years later. <laughs> yeah, like Playtone. So I was I was pretty obsessed with it. And it's weird. It's one of these weird things where. I just feel like even though it did relatively okay at the box office, we'll get to that. It somehow is like a cult film almost. Yeah. Like, cause not everyone knows about it when you talk about it or they don't remember or they didn't see it or they don't, they maybe don't like it. I don't know. Like I don't, I'm, it's relatively well received online. It seems like most mm. people love it, but it has that weird, almost cult status about it. Like, that's weird to hear you say, like, there was like actual hype around it. Cause I don't know how well it did, but it's like, I watched it as a kid and like randomly and like, like loved it, obviously. But so it's always like a film I've known 
but no one else seemed to know. Until, yeah, yeah. Again, like recent years, I've seen it pop up more and more online. Yeah. And it's sort of, yeah, it feels like a cult thing. And it's like, uh, there's a lot of this sort of era of like 90s comedy. It's like really like cool, like post Richard Linklater, like hangout comedy, like this and like Empire Records and mm. like Dead Man on Campus. It's like all these movies I watched on video when I was a kid, and a lot of them have like the same cast. Yeah. Like, and I thought nobody knew about these movies. And then why well, grow up and people are like, oh, yeah, I love that. Or like, <laughs> yeah. no, I've never heard of it. It's so yeah. one or the other. But that thing you do seems to be coming back. They did like that whole reunion concept, like mm-hmm. at the beginning of lockdown, which was really cool to see. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it is just one of those weird things, like where, it was certainly sort of, a, it had a bit of a buzz. I remember like when it first came out, but I was really young and I remember just seeing it and I was enthralled by it. But like, yeah, I don't know what it was. It became one of those films that like after it came out, it didn't do gangbusters at the cinema. So at the box office. So it was like one of those things where it was just kind of there and people <laughs> sort of forgot about it almost in a way, I think. And then it would just like, it became one of those, like, it's always on the TV films. You know what I mean? Like, it's always on TV yeah, or it's always on, like, you know, Showtime or HBO or one of those, like, you know, pay channels or whatever. But it, it's it's just always on there. So you've seen it, like, a thousand times or you may be on the DVD or whatever it is. But, like, yeah, like you said, it's like you feel like not a lot of people know about it or talk about it or, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. So it has this strange cult status. But like being a musician and stuff, like this film hit so hard for me, like when I was young. And I I mean, I wasn't a musician. I always loved music, but I wasn't a musician properly until I was like a teenager. But I remember like when I started playing music, I had one really good friend that he and my sister and I had a band together and we were like playing wonder songs like in my basement all the time. (laughs) Cause we were like all obsessed with it. And it was like, he was like my only friend who see like out of all these people in the music industry or whatever in my hometown, like the only one who seemed to know about it or like the songs or stuff. And we would have parody versions of songs and all sorts of things. Like there was a kid in my, uh, in, in my, in one of our classes named Miles Morrison, who was like just really quiet and drew airplanes all the time. And we always thought he was really fun. And he would occasionally come and hang out with us and draw things with us. And then like, for for some reason, we went away and we start singing instead of my little wild one. We were just singing my little Miles Morrison <laughs> like, <laughs> for no reason. That's a very dumb aside story, but that's the kind of like relationship I, I have with this film. <laughs> that's great. They'd always like yeah. been with you. Yeah. Yeah, no, it does. It hit hard. So, yeah, like I said, it's uh, the directorial debut from Tom Hanks. It was produced by Jonathan Demme, Gary Gottsman, and Edward Saxon. Those guys are all collaborators with Jonathan Demme. Obviously, Tom Hanks met Jonathan Demme and became really good friends via Philadelphia, maybe earlier, but I mean, they were pretty strong friends after that. So he had developed the idea over a few years and eventually wrote the film over the course of about three months or so while on a press circuit for Forrest Gump. He said that I had talked about myself for over a year straight and... I just start writing to maintain some sort of creative sanity because like Forrest Gump was so huge and he was just doing massive, massive tours around the world for it. Um, And it was also inspired a bit by his own issues with his increasing fame 
as well as his obvious love for 60s music and the Beatles and the whole idea of like the one hit wonder uh, in music. Cause that's like a, as he sort of says, it tells all the time, you know, like mm. it's just something that happened a lot. So while hanging out with Jonathan Demi, Demi told him he should do something bodacious, which is the word he used, uh, like go ahead and direct the movie. He said he would also get some advice from another actor turned director, Sean Penn, whose then wife, Robin Wright, was co-starring with Hanks Gump as Jenny. <laughs> I love you, Jenny. Forrest, you don't know what love is. <laughs> Burn. Uh, but yeah. I'm not a smart man, but I know what jam is. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Penn told him that every actor should direct just to find out how hard of a job it is and that every director should have to act. So he was just like, all right. And when it came time to shop the script, he took it to 20th Century Fox and they eventually agreed to produce it with a $26 million budget. And during his appearance on Inside the Actor Studio, he actually was talking about this and he said that he told the studio, I'm a big honking star and you have to let me do what I want to do. To which the studio replied, you're absolutely right. <laughs> He's a Jesus. big Tom Hankin star. I'm a big Tom Hankin star. I think he just showed him some gloves and they were like, okay, Mr. Hank, sir. Okay, please. Yeah. Please. Just, no, please. Please. No more. Just put down just the leave him alone. <laughs> put down the pizza cutter. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, for casting the film, Tom Hanks said that it was difficult because he compared it to like creating, again, like last week's episode, the perfect infield in baseball. He said with everybody complimenting each other. Baseball is life. See, it works together. There's going to be a lot of parallels to last week's episode and this week. Just wait. He said he wanted to have the feeling that everyone would have their own favorite wonder. So that was sort of the idea with casting. So who did become the wonders? <laughs> oh, yeah. Who's your favorite? Lenny. Lenny, obviously. Yeah. Gotta be Lenny. Steve Bannon, fucking Steve man. Zahn he's so fucking funny. One of my faves. Yeah, he's the great. What about you? I don't know. Like, Lenny for sure is up there. And then, it, like, it's it's maybe a tie between him and Guy because I've always, okay. I've said this before on the podcast. I always sort of went with the guy. <laughs> you know, the guy you're supposed <laughs> to like, you know, the, yeah, the, the good guy. It's always like the obvious answer. And of course, I don't know. I, I've always really liked Tom Everett Scott after this film. So the wonders are Tom Evers Scott as the drummer, Guy Patterson, aka Skitch, aka Spartacus. You got like I yeah, you got like four different names. Spartacus. He's so obsessed with <laughs> saying a great that, running right? joke. Yeah. <laughs> I guess could the film had like did that work the film had just come out maybe? That uh, I don't know when that movie came out. What Spartacus? Yeah. Could you referencing the movie? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, no, like, I like that little touch. I mean, the arc is the same, right? Because he leads them to the promised land. The whole yeah. thing, like, he saved them. He, he frees the people. Him, exactly. <laughs> I get it, but it's just weird. Yeah. yeah. It's like me and Ariane trying to, like, talk about legend. <laughs> We're just like, I Ooh, get it, legend. but it's just yeah. like, what? <laughs> but I am sorry because it's a badass name for a, a song. Yeah, definitely. That and it's really cool. Like I used to play that drum beat a lot. Like when I played drums, like I would just always go, ba ba boom, ba ba boom. 
<laughs> uh, Tom Everett Scott said that when he read for the part, he thought, yeah, this is the role Tom Hanks would play. And that Tom Hanks said, well, they're all me. But yeah, if I were in the movie, this would be the character I would play. But if I had to choose anybody, I would want to play Winnie. <laughs> uh. See, there you go. Uh, but it was actually Tom Everett Scott's first film role. He had been doing some TV previous to this, but he had not been in a film yet. And he was nearly not cast in this film because he looked too much like Tom Hanks at the time. I could say. He looked like a young Tom Hanks. Like, I think Tom Hanks had given Rita Wilson, his wife, like some uh, tapes to watch of these auditions and stuff. And uh, she was looking through and then she was like, oh, who's this guy? He's like, uh, he's really cute. And um, Tom Hanks, like, Tom Hanks was like, he said he was like all brushing his teeth or something. And he was just like listening to the voice. And he was like, oh, this this guy named Tom. But I mean, he looks too much like me. So I don't think we're going to hire him. And she was just like, but if you like him, you know, and if, if he's good, you should just hire him. And then also, I think he's cute. So like she encouraged yeah, for Tom obviously. Hanks to hire him. I mean, Rita Wilson is in this and she's yeah. in a really skimpy outfit in her one scene. <laughs> yeah. There's, like, there's something weird happening yeah. with those three. Because yeah, she's also very... hitting on him. Yeah. Tom Everett Scott in that scene. I don't know. <laughs> there's Something's a lot going, going on. on. Yeah, she was like, You know what I mean? Well, you gotta let me be in this movie, brother, because uh, <laughs> I liked you when you were younger. <laughs> <laughs> like that big era Tom yeah. Everett. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't go for this like chubby older Tom Yeah. Hanks. The weird thing about Tom Everett Scott is that he actually sort of looks like the little kid from Big if he grew up, you know? He does. Like, yeah, it's, wow. he looks more like that kid than, I mean, because that kid obviously looks does. like Tom Hanks. And, you know, Tom Everett Scott looks like Tom Hanks. But Tom Everett Scott looks like the perfect grown-up version of that little kid. Of that kid. Yeah. He could have been that kid. <laughs> he could have told me that, I would have believed you. Yeah. <laughs> So after this film, though, Tom Everett Scott just felt like he was going to go into bigger things. I mean, obviously, he's the star of this film. Pretty much the whole story revolves around him. He's fucking great in it. Like, just really good. Just likable, yeah. I think this was a big learning experience for him. I was his first film, and he's working with Tom Hanks. And everyone had nothing but great things to say about Tom Hanks. Like, working with him was just really fun. Uh, he always made, like, sure you were having fun before you know recording started it was always just like and it was always different you know than everyone else's like experiences and other films and stuff and uh tom hanks like i think taught a lot of the guys a lot of lessons about the film industry as well and like he, he was just always trying to get tom everett scott to really trust himself because you know he's young and he was new to the business and he was like you know you're funnier and you know, more interesting than you think you are. Just like relax and, you know, go for it. But uh, after starring in this, you know, he would, Tom Everett Scott would eventually go on to do an American Werewolf in Paris. He went on to do Dead Man on Campus, which we just talked Love about a little movie. bit. Both are great. Well, American Werewolf in Paris is yeah, great. It's great. fun. It's fun for like a time, but it was really yeah, bad. Yeah. I remember it being bad when it came out, but both of those barely turned a profit. He, I mean, he's had a steady career in film and TV, like, you know, been in TV shows and stuff, up, yeah. but he just never really broke out, you know, and that's, it's kind of a shame, like, cause he's really good in this film. I mean, he's been in 
like you know because i said so he just appeared in that and then he appeared in la la land which was really funny yeah. because he was in a jazz club <laughs> it's just like what yeah oh, guy patterson like a jazz came club, full circle yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh next we have jonathan sheck is the lead vocalist and guitarist named james jimmy madeline the second so he turned up most prepared for his role in his audition Apparently he had his hair combed really nice and he wore a skinny black tie and he was just super dialed in. Uh, Jonathan Sheck actually recounted that he uh, like made up the, so- the I Quit song on the spot during I his audition. I quit. I quit. I quit. I, I quit, that. Mr. White. <laughs> I, I've always wanted to quit a job like that. Like, so One good. Day. I think about like things from this movie a lot. Like I didn't say this before I start getting into it, but like this film is actually one of my favorite films. It's like probably in my top, probably in my top ten because it's one of these films I've seen so many times. And like when I rewatch it, I can just quote it like like it was yesterday the last time I saw it, even if it's been like years and years. So one of the greatest soundtracks as well. Jonathan Sheck, I mean, obviously, this is definitely his best-known role. Like, he's had a pretty long career as well, but his, it's mostly, like, TV work and uh, B-horror movies and other direct-to-video films and stuff. So, yeah, not really, like, a big breakout for him either. I mean, he did play the killer in uh, 2008's Prom Night remake. And he's recently, he's recently played Jonah Hex in some DC TV shows, like The Legends of Tomorrow Show and Batwoman. So, really? That's actually a good shout. I could totally see him with Jonah Hick. Yeah, so he's been appearing, you know, doing those. So that's cool. Maybe he'll have a resurgence later in his career. All right, so one of the best people in the whole entire film, Steve Zahn, is the lead guitarist and singer Leonard Lenny Leo. Leo, yeah. Yeah, you remember they call him Leo. That a right baby. <laughs> yeah, that a baby. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, Steve Zahn, he was invited last minute to do a basically just a read through of the script. Like I don't really know what the deal was, but it was early on in the casting process and someone had dropped out and he got the script last minute and was just sort of like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. And he said he's dyslexic so that he just read the script ahead of time to make sure he's better prepared. But he just didn't even know like what the script was for. And, like, it had, like, a bogus writer's name. <laughs> so he ended up, like, showing up, and it was Tom Hanks there. And he's just like, holy shit. <laughs> and he, like, read through the part, and he got it because Tom Hanks was just like, dude, he is perfect for this. He's so good, dude. Yeah. Like, he, like, I just, just I always like seeing him in things. He's really funny, and he's mm-hmm. not had enough, like, big movies. I mean, he's in a few things people would recognize. Yeah. And then... Sahara, which I haven't seen, but like, they daycare, Strange Wilderness, it's a great, like, yeah, like little known comedy they create. And he was in that last Planet Ape movie as well. Yeah. And he just, he's so good. And like, he popped up in TV a bunch. Mm-hmm. Like, again, this 19 group of people, like, he was in Friends, and so are a few people in the car. I mean, it's a great cast. Yeah. But he's funny. I just, he's there. He's like, he's like Michelangelo, like, Ninja Turtles. Like he's just the fun one. You get to mm-hmm. he get to, but it's a fun ride. Like it, you know, it's kind of not going to end well, but you're trying to enjoy it best you can, and that's sort of what he's there to do for you. And he constantly, like, 
undermine all the stupid shit they have to do with yeah. a joke, like when they're on a radio show, <laughs> yeah. giving fake answers and stuff. Yeah, he's yeah. just great. I just, I, yeah, I just love watching him. He, yeah, he absolutely. Good. When they're on the radio interview, it's just great because like Tom Hanks is just holding up their record, and the guy is just like, "Oh, so what bands have popped your cherry?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like you know, guys just nerding out about Del Paxton and all these jazz. Yeah. Wow, high school band. <laughs> Ron Howard's weird brother. Yeah, Clint Howard. <laughs> Clint uh, Howard. And then, you, yeah, you have like, you know, TV player, like the Chantrelines. And then like, you know, they're just like, you know, naming all these things. And then he's just like Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shooters. <laughs> it's like, come on, man. Yeah. Weekend at Party Pier. <laughs> I love when they're at the, uh, they're at the fair and they're on TV and like, you know, they're just talking about like, oh, there's the big fairground and these guys here are going to be playing. And then like Lenny just interrupts and he's like, well, not me. Actually, you know, I'm not with these guys. I've got a pig over at the Lobstock Pavilion. I'm going to yeah. go for that blue ribbon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? So <laughs> and the guy's face is yeah. like, what? Like he'd be in so much shit all the time you would think with like Tom Hanks, this Mr. White character, like he would just constantly just be a burden. <laughs> Yeah, Lenny, go to the cockpit. Yeah, if you can, tell us your yeah. birthday. Yeah, <laughs> go, go. Oh man, just can't deal with it. Yeah, I would say actually though, this is he's probably like one of the more of the band, one of the more successful careers probably. Like you know, Steve Zahn. Sure, yeah. Uh, he's actually one of the guys who's pretty decent at guitar and singing as well. Like um, before the film, yeah. Like I said, he's had one of the more successful careers of the band. Uh, starring in films like Saving Silverman as well, which is great, fantastic. Jason Biggs is like the lead star, and Steve Zahn and Jack Black play like his two dumb best friends, and they both play guitar and sing in it, and they're fantastic. It's really fun. They're always doing like Neil Diamond covers and stuff. Really funny movie. Go out of your way to see it if you've not seen it. Um, Happy Texas was a big like in- independent hit for him. Mm. He was in National Security as well with Martin Lawrence. And he was in Rescue Dawn with uh, Christian Bell. And that was like a pretty big, like, I thought he was going to break out with uh, Rescue Dawn because he got a lot of love for his performance in that. And then, of course, he showed up in like Dallas Buyers Club as well. So, yeah. Yeah. It's been tons of films. His career is still rolling as well. So, I mean, I think he's had a good career. Uh, He told us a funny story, though, about how all the guys were like late one day. And uh, Tom Hanks pulled them into a trailer and he said that, hey, guys, this is the last time you'll be late for this movie. Or any movie for the rest of your career. (laughs) And then he just threw a glove on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, okay, Mr. Hanks, okay. Please put down the knife. (laughs) And then then he just like ripped the Woody doll in half. And just like the string hanging. It's the string. Yeah. You're no. my favorite Deborah. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, if you're late again, you're not going to have a friend in me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So the characters, Jimmy Mattingly and Lenny Hayes, actually have the same last names as two astronauts, Ken Mattingly and Fred Hayes. Who were de- famously depicted in Tom Hanks's film Apollo oh, 13. 13 from 1995? 
So he was mad reference game. He was putting little references, sprinkling them around here, making his little pizza. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> when the wonders are playing at boss fit Casa show in pittsburgh one of the bands that's on the bill pittsburgh is actually pittsburgh. In pittsburgh one of the bands that's on the theater marquee is actually maryland level in the gemini's which is again another reference to apollo 13 because a maryland level is jim level's wife and gemini obviously was the famous space program next we have ethan Embry as the bass player, TB player. The character is unnamed in the film, and he's credited simply as TB player for the bass, the bass player. player. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, this was a joke on the perception that bass players are often unknown and unappreciated, which is pretty true. I've played bass, I know. <laughs> I also would say that drummers don't get nearly as much love as they like to portray in this film as well i mean yeah like you're the drummer guy there's like one or two drummers in history that i feel like get a lot of love but like you have to really like drums i think to really care about most of the other people and no one wants to be a drummer either because it's a pain in the ass like i used to drum you have to carry all that shit everywhere exactly it's it's horrible (laughs) (laughs) yeah so ethan Embry actually though he years later provided his own take on his character's real name he said i just said my name was tobias because it's such like he's such a tobias you take the vowels out and it's tb (laughs) his nickname was toby but his mom calls him tobias and his last name was actually player because the dude's a player dude that carousel ride (laughs) with the chantrelines total player (laughs) <laughs> he won a fucking player yeah, yeah. really good I do 200 push ups dude <laughs> I love that character so much obviously Ethan Embry was like big in Empire Records he had an insane Mark, string Mark like, yeah like insane insane string like from 95 Empire Records this film in 96 Vegas Vacation in 97 and then he was in again <laughs> Can't Hardly Wait comes up again. He was the main star of Can't Hardly Wait in 1998. So, I mean, he had a really awesome string. Again, like one of the more consistent actors among the bands, like in of the core four from the band. uh, Yeah, who's had a relatively successful career. I mean, co starred in The Walking Dead briefly, like a little cameo, I guess, more so for a couple of episodes before he got eaten, which was cool. And then he's also been co-starring in Grace and Frankie on Netflix most recently. So he's still out there doing some stuff. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's pretty funny in this film because he's when he auditioned, he said that he actually had to read some lines from another character so that Tom Hanks could actually hear him. And due to the, the lack of lines that the character actually had at the time, and then this would lead to Tom Hanks actually giving him more stuff to do because he just thought he was so good. So that's where you get a lot more stuff and there's actually a longer version of the film as well that's a direct oh, no, talk about that a little later but uh yeah there's another cut. Like the tb cut <laughs> the tb cut baby um but yeah he has more with the chantrelines uh girl that he's courting sort of in the film you see mm. like he obviously yeah. becomes obsessed with her and he's just they like, have a little relationship yeah. yeah uh and then next you have obviously Liv tyler's faye dolan Jimmy's girlfriend and the band's costume mistress. <laughs> you want her on tour? She's the costume mistress. <laughs> Tom Hanks said he casted Liv Tyler almost as soon as she walked in to meet him because 
he's he's just like she's perfect she's like cool calm and she was just always Faye. like that was just her and of course Liv Tyler has her own roots in rock and roll music uh she's famously her dad the daughter right I'm Uh, forgetting let's see Steven Arrow Tyler Steven Tyler of Aerosmith (laughs) dude you know looks like a lady (laughs) <laughs> yeah, dude looks like a lady. I mean, he like he was calling his now shots because he, he looks like an old grandma <laughs> now. Yeah, Liv Tyler is great in this film though. She's really fun. Like, you know, it's it's like I don't know. It's it's one of those like just really funny things because Jimmy's such a dick and uh, Jimmy's such a dick for no reason. Yeah, like never even like acknowledges her. Yeah. Even when she's sick, she got like a fever for most of the yeah. movie. And he's like, when So when are we, we going to get in the studio? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like only my up. song. He's just taking himself way too seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Last night when I was doing some research on this, like Jonathan Sheck said something about how he had shown uh, Tom Hanks like something. And I, I couldn't tell if this was years after the fact, like an article about a certain musician or if it was like before. And it was just mm-hmm. like, about this musician who took himself way too serious. And then like Tom Hanks was like, that's Jimmy, you know, that's him. He got it. <laughs> yeah. It's great. He just keeps seeing himself as something else. Yeah. I know there's a certain degree of ego in music and I get it. And you can only get so far if you have that, like you have to have a bit of an it factor and also a bit of believing in yourself and confidence and drive and all that sort of stuff. But also there's that like, there's that thing where you can get really big headed if, and especially like you get even more inflated as, as people start to blow you up, you know, like, so Faye like is obsessed with him, you know, and she like is constantly doting on him and like, you know, apologizing for him. Yeah. Apologizing for him and inflating his ego and all sorts of stuff. And then like, then success just happens like this in the grand scheme of things. This is, this film takes place over like two months, basically. And it's like, yeah, they were only together for two holy months. Holy shit. Like, it's amazing. How what fast. <laughs> how fast it happened. Like, they yeah. just get on the, they get a manager, they get on the radio, they go on tour, they get signed to a label, they go on TV, and they're yeah. the biggest fucking act in the country. Yeah. Out. Loads of happy. It's like the zombies, right? Same yeah. sort of thing. Absolutely. And not the Beatles, the Beatles weren't one hit wonders, but did how many bands of that time? came and went and we're like oh we, i love that song like what yeah. happened to those people yeah yeah they released a couple of albums they disappear but those musicians end up in loads of things like later down the line that's the, that's the nice thing about this movie i love the i mean we'll get to it i guess but the ps at the end as if it was real yeah yeah to see what happened to each one but it's, yeah. all of them are really perfect and believable mm-hmm. like jimmy had the career beyond the band and it totally yeah. makes sense because he he writes the song he's clearly talented yeah um even if he's a dick if you if you go through like um the liner notes of the the actual soundtrack they treat it like it's really real as well so there's actually some funny things that come up with this this song and who's performed on them and all that sort of stuff because that thing you do kind of became its own little hit in itself outside of yeah. the film and I'll get to that in a bit but like in the album liner notes they do treat it almost like it is real and they expand a little bit more on like what happened after the fact, like you said, and at the end of the film, you have like, you know, guy goes off and moves to like 
they well, he's in LA with Faye, and then he moves up to the Pacific Northwest and starts like Puget teaching. Sounds, like teaching yeah. jazz at a conservatory. And then you have like Jimmy ends up becoming like successful with the herdsman, one of his mini name. band names. Yeah. They <laughs> and, keep coming back to. Yeah. And which, which, a lame, which is dumb name. Lame. Yeah. And then in the liner notes, it actually goes further to say that he becomes a su- successful producer for Playtone and actually exactly. like writes more up. stuff for <laughs> Playtone records and produces more stuff for them, which is funny. Um, and TB player was he become a construction worker? And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, after being like he like served two toys in Vietnam, yeah, get injured, yeah, um, but earned medal, earned yeah. a few medals, and then come home. <laughs> then he moves to Las Vegas, he and becomes a like a casino, divorced like two times, divorced, <laughs> currently single. <laughs> I love that, so good, yeah, and then. There's Mr. White, played by Tom Hanks, the Playtone manager who comes on to manage the band. Mr. White, though, the name itself is actually his first name. They actually do mention it once in the film, and it's Andy. Uh, It's only revealed once when the Playtone president, Saul Seiler, who's played by Alex Rocco, Rocco, who is uh, Mo Green in The Godfather. Uh, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Someone want to get fucking Fabian away from me? Yeah. Such a great line. Uh, yeah. But yeah, when he's in, he's interrupted by Jimmy in that scene, he Love while that. he's eating his lunch and he just angrily sc- screams like, Andy, what in the bloody hell is this? And it's hard to really make out what he says, but that is what he says. Uh, Auditions oh. during my lunchtime. You think I got time on my hands? <laughs> but the name Andy White is a nod to the drummer Andy White who famously was brought in to re-record the drums on the Beatles' first single, Love Me Do, after longtime Beatles, basically the fifth Beatle producer, George Martin, was unhappy with the recently recruited Ringo Starr's performance on the song. They call him Ringo a few times. Yeah, yeah. So there's a few parallels to the Beatles in this film, like more so than just the obvious ones where they mention them quite a few times in the films. Like, oh, no, those mop mop tops. tops. (laughs) But yeah, the British invasion, they're going to be talking about the American invasion. (laughs) We're being invaded. (laughs) So uh, the Wonders original name obviously was the Wonders or the Oneeders, the one O-N-E-D-E-R-S. Yeah, it's Oneeders. No, but it's the one dude. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a play on the words involving, you know, music nomenclature. It's, you know, obviously the same thing the Beatles did with the B-E-A-T. Yeah, so Jimmy was obsessed with this, obviously, because it would come up a lot in a lot of the stupid names. I'll go into some more of those names a little bit later. The Cord Vet. <laughs> <laughs> the second thing is uh, that thing you do, it became a big hit after it was sped up from a slower ballad because originally when... Their first teaching guy yeah. was very slow, and then it gets sped up. Well, the same thing happened with the Beatles' Please Please Me, because that was a slow ballot that got sped up. In the Beatles' appearance on Ed Sullivan's show, there is a shot of John Lennon with, that was accompanied by a caption, Sorry, girls, he's married. And of course, in this film, there's the caption, Careful, Careful girls, girl. he's engaged. <laughs> and he freaked out over Such that. a gutting so scene. It's like, oh. Yeah, exactly. So bad. Who said this, Mr. White? It's not true. It's not true. It's the same person that said you had class. Class. (sighs) Damn. And then (sighs) just the glove. And we never (laughs) see Jimmy again. (laughs) Each group 
each group actually lo- lost its uh, original bass player as well uh, because the original bass player for the Beatles was the guy Stuart Sutcliffe who died and then mm-hmm. Paul ended up moving over to play bass. Uh, same thing happened with the Wonders. Obviously, you know, they Tom Hanks killed TV player. <laughs> yeah, good. Well, you sent him to Disneyland. You know what they do there. You know what they do there. Got lost in the pizza joint. Um, also, they uh-huh. became famous after their, they replaced their original drummer. So that was like a, another thing. Uh, let's see. What else do we got? In the extended cut, though, this is a very interesting thing here. So in the extended cut, Mr. White is shown hanging out. And th- there's a little bit of pepper, peppered references to this or like nuances to Mr. White's character in the theatrical cut, which is probably what most people have seen, but there's an extended cut of this film. That's like almost three hours long. That's like quote unquote, the director's cut. Mr. White is seen hanging out with a driver named Lloyd. Who's played by the former NFL player named Howie long. And it's hinted sort of that this is his boyfriend. Mm. And that's because the Beatles manager, Brian Epstein was also gay uh, in real life. Then they found out, I think much later that he was actually gay. So there was like a little bit of a nod to that. Uh, the the Wonders, uh, when they're running to their car in Wisconsin to catch the plane to go to the coast, That's Faye gets moment, left yeah. behind and because yeah. uh, she's mistaken as a you know female fan Not and the police are stopping her. Well, a similar incident happened when the Beatles were traveling to see the Maharishi uh, Mahesh Yogi while running to board a train, Cynthia Lennon, John Lennon's then wife, was stopped because she was mistaken for, for being a female fan. But unlike the film's version, no one came back to retrieve Cynthia <laughs> before the train left. For the, Especially left the John Lennon. <laughs> he was like, like, oh, good. Oh, I was waiting for a reason to just get rid of her. <laughs> yeah. Now I can drop acid without being nagged. <laughs> God, I'm doing like Paul Rudd doing John Lennon yeah. and Wakai. <laughs> yeah, that's such a good scene. Yeah, uh, another uh, parallel though to the Beatles is Jimmy's stance is actually pretty identical to John Lennon's stance in early Beatles. But that got wide, like bow-legged yeah. shit going on. Yeah, he like studied that. I think pretty much down. Uh, let's get his supporting cast. I mean, this film is made of his cast. Its supporting cast is almost more insane and more popular than its like main <laughs> cast. So obviously, first is Charlize Theron as Tina Powers, who plays Guy Patterson's girlfriend at the beginning of the movie. In the eerie PA. An eerie PA. Gotta be quick with me. Gotta be quick Gotta with be me. Quick. Looks like Lenny going fishing. I used to say that all the time. Like anytime I had to say, you got to be quick. I would say, got to be quick. Got to be quick with me. Got to be quick. I'm from Danville, VA. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So yeah, it was Charlize Theron's second credited film role. And she was actually one of the first people to audition and to be cast. She like was really broke when she first moved to Hollywood. She used to be a model and she moved out to LA and she was just, you know, living on paycheck to paycheck and just struggling and, you know, getting money from her parents and stuff and, you know, really down and out. And she tried to cash a check at the bank one day and the teller refused. She threw a fit and there was 
just happened to be like a talent manager named John Crosby was in the bank and he saw her screaming and waving her arms around. And he just walked over to her and said, I don't know what you do, but if you're interested in acting, here's my card. And then that ended up leading to her like getting a manager. She met Tom Hanks. Uh, she got audition, you know, auditioned for this film. She got the part. And when she got it, Tom Hanks was just like, that girl is going to be somebody. And he actually wrote in her script, no matter what, I'll always claim that I have discovered you. <laughs> it's pretty funny. That's funny. That's weird. You get fucking that story comes out a lot. And yeah. it's always like kind of creepy. Like if someone came up to you on the street and they're like, oh, I like your look or whatever. I like the way you mm-hmm. throw a fit in my card. You know, I can make you a star or whatever. You'd be like, no, the dude, the creep or whatever. Um, but that fucking happened all the time. That seemed to be how a lot of people got their start. They just pick Stumble. people out of yeah. a lineup. They just, <laughs> well, apparently that's how they find the people for Gogglebox as well. They just go to like shopping center and look for people. Yeah. And who like look <laughs> like who have like good chemistry and shit. It, um, same thing with Bill and Ted. Like the the writers discovered Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter because they were hanging out uh, like in a McDonald's line, and oh, they really? just liked the look of them. And they were just hanging <laughs> out. They were just nice. making each other laugh and fucking with each other. And it's great. I want to be discovered. Yeah. Hey, need to go out more. Talent manager, come listen to our podcast. <laughs> in fact, that's what this is for. Yeah. I want someone to be like, hey, I heard you on a podcast. Here's a bunch of money and you don't have to do anything. I'm like, great. Yeah. Come that's on. the dream. That's the dream. That's what we I'm want. I'm waiting. That's what we want. <laughs> <laughs> so we also had Bill Cobbs as Del Paxton. You Del Paxton. my biggest fan. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Watch your money. Yeah. Del Paxton, when I was younger, like I just thought was a real musician. Me too. Like, you know, I had to double check. You see Bill Cobbs all the time, like, like you know, in so many films, just yeah. popping up here guess, and man. there. He's just one of those guys. It's just like uh, just a cons- consummate professional, just, you know, great in this film, like as, as this like cool as fuck jazz guy that guy is completely obsessed with and it's like just such a fun moment when he meets him <laughs> it's so yeah. funny oh i've lost you haven't i yeah completely drunk. <laughs> it's like i got the record that you did yeah <laughs> giovanni rubisi is chad chad yeah chad like, just he, becomes like, guy <laughs> yeah you guys takes- chad fell down yeah Guy just steals Chad's life, and Chad yeah, is just forced to like be in his life. Gets the job at, at the Patterson's, <laughs> hanging out with his family. With the, yeah, I'm guessing he starts going out with the sister. I mean, it worked out the band yeah. really good, and like you need Guy for the song to even be a hit. Yeah, but he's so, he's so good. I love Chad. Giovanni Who's Chad? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, we got. I'm glad we got to talk about him, just because we didn't do Gone in 60 Seconds. Yeah. And I would have dare. Yeah, uh, yeah. Again, he's just one of those great guys. And his career had transformed so much from like, yeah. from this, like, you know, and then ag- again, he was on Friend and like Phoebe's brother. Yeah. And then he was like in Boiler Room and a bunch of cool shit and then sort of reinvented himself. Now he's in more like comedy. You see him in like the Seth MacFarlane movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Again, one of those people, I just, I'm so excited every time I see him. I know it, he'll be good. Yeah. Like, he's had a, incredible career really though yeah I mean, like, he's been in everything yeah like just big movies small movies tv shows like just all across the board like an incredible career yeah 
And, uh, you know, he's a drummer. And uh, with that, I just want to say snack time. Snack time. It's snack time. Quarantine. Quarantine. It's snack time. Lockdown. Drama time. Because, Phil, I'm going first today. I know what you have. I can already tell what it is. I have a drumstick. A drumstick. Which I've never had before. A uh, Swizzles drumstick. This is uh, not the one with on the actual stick. Yeah, uh, that's, that's, I'm like, that's not a real jump. <laughs> yeah, this is just like the uh, the long, the, le- the flat thing. version. It says it's a uh, bubblegum flavor, chew bar. Ooh. What? I don't smell. Sort of like bubblegum. I'm concerned that it's sort of green and pink. <laughs> it looks like a like a. A foul tongue, like a dead person's tongue. How is it? Yeah, it tastes like bubblegum. It tastes like, uh, oh God, I'm not going to chew. Uh, (laughs) It's so hard and chewy. Um, It tastes like uh, iron brew. Ew. You know what iron brew tastes like? Yeah, I don't like iron brew. Well, I have also something tough and chewy. What um, you got? Uh, I didn't get a, I didn't buy it for a snack, but Dusty brought some of this this morning. We saw, we saw an empty packet on the on the road one, and we were like, "That looks good," and it's um, veggie jerky. Oh, nice! In oh black man, that's bean like the shit. Sauce the flavor, yeah, plant based meat free jerky. Now I've already um, tried this and didn't like it. I'm just doing it for <laughs> the podcast. Um, just letting you guys know. Yeah, I I don't know if I like the drumstick either. So yeah, I mean, I it's really okay. Like I'm giving it a one out of five because it's just like <laughs> it's really chewy, and at times it tastes okay, and then other times it tastes horrible. But it gets at least one because it's a vegan snack. I yeah, know. same with this. Like um, the flavor is actually not bad got a little bite to it but it has the consistency and texture of like dog food <laughs> so i give it like a two nice it's not bad for something that you said you didn't like yeah i mean you know i'm, I'm still eating it so. all right well you said spice right so who's got some spice in this film it's obababatunde as lamar the hotel valet can you explain this character to me? So, when I was a kid, I always thought he like owned the hotel because I was oh, a dumb yeah. little kid, and I just like see this awesome man who's just like, "This is my hotel." And then my mom told me she was just like, "That's not your job." Yeah, that's. Uh, I think he's just the valet guy, and he must be in charge of all those guys. So he's just kind of like, you know, rolling things and stuff. But again, when I watched it this time. As much as I loved it, I start thinking about what you were talking about with the the Steven Spielberg's uh, segment from Twilight Zone with, uh, what's it, Scatman Crothers just being sort of yeah. this magical black man character. And Same thing. I was just like, oh, God, are they doing this with Lamar? Is Lamar? But it's okay because, again, like Scatman Crothers, I fucking love Oba Babatunde. Me too. I just 
really love him and everything he's in. I always like get so excited. Like he's in this really fucking amazing, like four hour temptations, like made for TV, like uh biopic thing. Um, and he plays Barry Gordy and he's so good in that. And then obviously life, one of my favorite nice. films. That's what I'm thinking of. Me too. Yeah. So yes, I love Oba Baba Tunde. I love him in this film. He's really good. But yeah, I don't really know with that character. <laughs> it's a bit weird. He comes in toward the end and he gets really involved. Yeah. In their life. And he's a matchmaker. Of, <laughs> yeah. And, but like, it he's breaks Cupid. the fourth wall at that point, yeah. you know? He sort of like winks at the camera. Yeah. But it's like, I just don't know who he is. Yeah. Just like, he comes in there just to fix everything. It's really <laughs> strange. <laughs> It's uh, Deus Ex Machina, man. <laughs> yeah. I guess, yeah. Uh, I have no idea how to get these people to point A to point B, so let's just put Oba Blabba Tunde in there. It's he literally mom. pushes Guy towards yeah. him. Come on. There's uh, your little Fifi's over there <laughs> in the cafe all alone. Now, where I come yeah. from, that's a crime. Young uh, choir. <laughs> all right. Love, Phil. Love is a wicked game you talk about uncle bob uncle bob now uncle bob is played by another person who appeared in friends so yes there is a yeah. lot of friends in this i think tom hanks with the fan it is chris isaac as a kid i had no idea that, that was chris isaac what a Actually, wicked game. I don't even know when I realized it is Chris Isaac. I don't, it wasn't this viewing because I knew, but like, I think it was maybe the last time I watched it, which was probably like a couple years ago. I saw that Chris Isaac was Uncle Bob and I was like, what? What? <laughs> All those years. And I like, I really liked Chris Isaac because there's a Chris Isaac show uh, in America and uh, Wicked Game. It's just like one of my banger guilty pleasure songs like because i don't know why i like it but i absolutely love it but then i'm like why would i not love it because it's fucking awesome it's great Bang. but yeah uh i am always obsessed with this scene as well because they were recording inside of a church it's really funny uh and then obviously when they finish recording the great line of like okay so yeah like when are we gonna get the records and he's just like luke 2119. <laughs> hey, your patience rests your soul. <laughs> it's like, Luke, Luke, Wednesday. Luke. <laughs> yeah. Such a good scene. I often like try to, I've done it at least two or three times on the cinema's uh, social media, try to answer a question that someone has, like, who's With just a Bible like, oh, when's this, when's this going to go on sale? And then it's just like, as you know, Chris Isaac is Uncle Bob famously once said in that thing you do. Luke twenty one nineteen, and they're always just like, "What?" <laughs> it never goes down really well. So that's a sign that this film isn't as popular as I wish it was. Yeah, Chris Isaac is always playing a role where he does. He had a job that he definitely a guy who looked like that wouldn't do. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like in this film, he he he's Uncle Bob who records church music, <laughs> church but sermons. like he looks like Chris Isaac. Yeah, and in friend, he's like a school teacher, and you're yeah. like, no, I don't believe any of this. <laughs> All he does is like swoon over girl in on in the desert and hit very high pitch note. Yeah, 
over like a very reverbed out surf guitar lick. Guitar, yeah. <laughs> All right, so here's some more cameos. I mean, the cameos are pretty wild as well. Uh, Chris Ellis appears as Phil Loris, uh, the band's first manager. Not in it long, but I, I like Phil. I often think yeah. about like the scene where they're in the back of the camper. Um, every time like someone asks me if I want something to drink, I'll sometimes just think, I'm thirsty. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm thirsty. On. Never too early for a drink. Oh, Kevin Pollock appears. As I said, I'd get back to this guy as Victor Boss, Vic Kos, Koslovich, who <laughs> is absolutely one of my favorite characters in this film. I really love Kevin Pollock as well. Like I, I was a really big fan of uh, House Arrest. Um, with Jamie Lee Curtis and Kevin Pollack and Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yeah, about the kids who lock their parents down inside of a basement. Did you ever see that film? No, Dude, no. Sounds good, Ace, Ace movie. Like, there's this kid named Grover. I can't remember who plays him, but he, like, he locks, he and his friends just lock their parents down inside of their basement uh, to make them work through their issues. And then, like, they start telling other people and then they start bringing their parents. <laughs> and there's just like, before you know, it, there's like six or seven kids upstairs and like four groups of parents or something like that down in this basement <laughs> locked up. <laughs> it's so good. I love like boss Vic costs. Like the whole thing is just so stupid. He's just like such a dumb character. Like, uh, standing there on the side, just like, you know, I need to run. Come on, come on, come on. Who am I not paying back yet? <laughs> That scene is great. Like, like you, you obviously played show, played the band. I used to play in a band, and every you, how many stories you've had of that show where it's like the mics don't work and you yeah. get fucking feedback, and the fucking cymbal falls down, and they boo yeah. you off before the fucking like song is over. Like, yeah, oh God, like if now it brings <laughs> back memory, then at the time it was awful, but now it's like, oh, I like I really miss playing. Like that's something. Yeah, this movie makes me really nostalgic about. Like it gets. <laughs> At the very least, to get that bit right, it gets like being in a band, playing with your friends, how that affects your relationship, and how I guess I mean this, they take it to a bigger level because then it becomes how fame affects their relationship. But it's very relatable and well done. The just their yeah. whole story. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's see. Next, we got uh, this one. I had no idea that this was. Uh, this guy, this is crazy. So when they're on tour, obviously they're touring around and they start going to all these different, cause they're, the records starting to go up the charts and they start to go all to the, to these different radio stations. We already mentioned that Clint Howard appears as a disc jockey and that's a really funny mm-hmm. scene, but there's this one guy who like does the two second interview, like, yeah. Hi. hi. All right, guys. Yeah. yeah. You can leave your <laughs> headphones in yeah. there. So and Jimmy's funny. like, God damn it. <laughs> that guy is Paul Feig. Or Feig, Feig, Paul Feig, who's the director of Bridesmaids and the Ghostbusters remake. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's a new one. Yeah. That's so weird. Rick and Anita, uh, Weekend at Party Pier. It's a play on the Frankie and Annette. (laughs) Thanks, Goofball. (laughs) The classic uh, beach party bullshit. So, Anita, here we go. Last week's episode is played by Tracy Reiner, Betty Spaghetti. Yeah. So that's pretty fun. 
uh, one of the other people who's in that scene, the director of the major motion picture that the Wonders Go Play at, is actually Jonathan Demme. <laughs> I was yeah. looking at him. I was like, ah, I don't really recognize him. I bet he's someone yeah. like Demi. And like, and it was, <laughs> and it was. That's cool. Like the guy, um, shit, I'm gonna forget his name now. But the guy from Boogie Nights and Philadelphia, uh, yeah. also had the cameo. Um, he'd like keep the announcer on the show right at the end. Oh yeah, Hollywood, yeah. Like uh, show. Was it like Robert Wrigley? Or... Yeah, yeah. I can't remember his name. Um, but the thing that's really funny about the weekend at Party Pier is that like no real manager would actually allow their up and coming like teen idol band perform in a movie under a fake name because like yeah you're like right at a cameo Frankie essentially in the background yeah those Frankie and Annette beach party movies of their era and all their those like beach party imitator films they would always have hit you know recording artists like in the film but they would be under their actual names like. Stevie Wonder and the Supremes, the Righteous Brothers, the Animals, Sonny and Cher, like all of these people showed up in these beach party movies of the time and it would only increase their value. But Tom Hanks, you know, the, the characters are Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters. Like no one would know who the fuck that band is and they wouldn't know it was the Wonders until like years later. The music stopped. Just keep playing, yeah. keep playing. Keep playing. <laughs> Tom Hanks actually named... The band Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters after two seafood restaurants in Beaufort, South Carolina, where Forrest Gump was filmed. So, it felt like a Forrest yeah. Gump reference, yeah. Uh, the Hollywood Television Showcase, that I was filmed at the Bob Barker Studio, Studio 33, in CBS Television City in Hollywood, where The Price is Right is famously filmed for many, many years. Uh, the host of that is Peter Scolari, who was Tom Hanks's co-star in Bosom Buddies. <laughs> so, I don't know what I'm thinking of. <laughs> yeah. You may also know him as the Wayne Zielinski from yes. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids TV show. Did, did you ever watch that show? <laughs> yeah. I used to love that show. Remember there was an episode with Brett and Owen Hart? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the I forgot about the that. Yeah. They're not wrestling reference. Another famous TV show guy who... Is also Mr. White. <laughs> ah, yeah. Yeah. Brian Cranston uh, appears as Gus Grissom during the Hollywood television showcase scenes. So that's always really funny to see him pop up. Another yeah. little cameo, Blinken, you will miss him, is uh, Colin Hanks can actually be seen escorting like Liv Tyler to her seat during this scene. And yeah. also Tom Hanks' daughter, Elizabeth, can actually be seen in the dress shop uh, where she's getting the dress is the bored girl. <laughs> yeah, because he's he's like call he's like page boy or something. Yeah, he's credited boy. that. Something funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh Rita Wilson also like obviously is in this film. We mentioned she's Marguerite, who Marguerite. is Tom Hanks' wife, the waitress at the Blue Spot Jazz Club. So yeah, tons and tons and tons and tons of people in this film. It's like <laughs> it's so fun just like picking out everyone. But yeah, I was talking about the names. This was pretty funny. So obviously, when they were trying to decide on the name, you can see a glimpse in the notebook that there's a few different names that Jimmy has for the names of the bands. There's the Dollars, the Lords of Erie, the Pistoons, uh, <laughs> or the Pistons, the Pistons, but the Pistoons, the Thorns, the Mozarts, the Echoes, the Ticks, and the Flannels. 
But actually, Jonathan Sheck still owns that original notebook. And on YouTube, he was doing these like videos, like four different videos where he was releasing different names. Obviously, there was the Herdsman because that was the name that he wanted to do. But like, you know, like Herd, one of the, one of the, the senses, one of the senses, <sighs> the Herdsman. Stupid. Oh, <laughs> and uh, there's other names were Jimmy and the Strawberries, Jimmy and the Stingrays, the Toasters. <laughs> phase addiction which is a great name great that's name. funny uh yeah. and then one this is pretty funny and jimmy in this and jimmy in that <laughs> what <laughs> the hanks the thorn roses jimmy and the rex uh obviously the corvettes or corvettes that came up in the no like the car corvette you know, cord, you know, like the car <laughs> Like and a cord, like the cord to Nathan. One of the funniest things that was in the notebook that he just revealed on YouTube that no one ever saw was mom's hot dish, which <laughs> was this big drawing of like a, a big like dish of like some sort of food or something. And apparently Steve Zahn did that. Just joking around. That's funny. <laughs> uh, here we go. All right. So Tom Hanks, he's an Oakland Raiders fan and he named the pizza place, you know, the one out by the airport where the band is the house band, Villapianos, yeah. after the former Raider linebacker Phil Villapiano. I, there you go. I, know. I just like start to shit myself though when I start thinking about Villapianos as a pizza place, but okay. All right, we're going to move on. It's a pizza place by the airport, you know, like secluded, middle of nowhere. Not a lot of people. I'm just saying. Someone has to say it. Flight logs can be doctored. <laughs> <laughs> Love underage people pregnant, you know. Stop. Stop. Yeah. All right. So they, there's Don't a lot of music. Don't even bother with the fake ID. <laughs> there's a lot of music that plays at Vila Pianos when the band starts playing there. Obviously, there's a lot of music in this film. It is the, like unspoken cast member it's the most important part of the film really and obviously it's just amazing so the four actors playing the wonders rehearse separately and then as a band for about a month or so to get a feel of performing most of the performances were actually dubbed by other musicians obviously but uh there were some performances of them actually sort of playing a little bit especially when they're rehearsing and stuff but it was pivotal like in the film uh, because they like need it to look like they're playing when they were rehearsing at this time. They didn't even worry about the script at all. It was all about them just getting together, getting tight as a band, becoming friends. And then that really just helped out so much like for their chemistry and stuff in the film. And it like shows so much, man. It was actually Jonathan Sheck's first time playing guitar. But as I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, Steve Zahn played guitar a little bit and I forgot to mention this, but yeah, um, TB player, uh, Ethan Embry Ethan actually Embry. was a bass player. So he was like really good at playing and it like worked out so well. What Tom ever got a drama? No, not at all. That was the thing. He was, he said that he played trumpet and stuff and he always wanted to play <laughs> drums, but the drummers in the high school band were like, get out of here. <laughs> so he never got to play. So He's just started to play. It was his first attempt and he like he picked it up really well. Because mm. the thing about that is like you can't fake the drums when you're playing, you know, 
on stage no. with all these people. Obviously, they can cut all the sound out, which is what they did with a lot of their performances, especially like as that thing you do evolves into its full performed version. It's like yeah. polished version. But like, obviously, when you're playing, it's going to look like you're out you know, out of time if you're not playing in time. And then also when you're playing, you have to play and people are going to hear it on stage. And they were actually playing and stuff at times. And like everyone lost their shit. They were like, holy shit, these guys, this is real. They know how to play. <laughs> like they learned how to play. It was really crazy. Like um, apparently they had script, like a really insane script read through. And they were all like, like, you know, a proper table read with the whole cast. And uh, before they, re- they went to the reading, Jonathan Sheck took all the guys to like a thrift shop and they all got matching suits. And then like (laughs) when it came time, Tom Hanks told them, Oh, when the songs are supposed to happen, I want you to play. So they just like got up on stage and no one knew like that. They even knew how to play. Like, you know, and they just get up on stage and they just start playing and uh, just like, Holy shit. So they had to learn all those songs and the titular song, that thing you do, (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's like fucking I've amazing. Yeah. Fucking amazing. This song it's catchy so it's like, like really. It, the, and it gets better. Yeah, and it, it like we weren't joking, it plays like eleven times throughout the film. You yeah. know, I think twice full full through, but like cut up numerous times throughout the film. And it never gets old. Like it doesn't yeah, I'm I never found myself at the end and I'm singing it still. It's just like such a classic song. Yeah. Uh, that song was written by the late Fountains of Wayne bass player Adam Schlesinger, who unfortunately did pass away in April due to complications from COVID nineteen. So yeah, it's, it's really I guess like up. that was a really big reason to talk about this as well because obviously we're still living in this weird pandemic world and like this film was so important to me growing up and stuff and this song is so cool and the soundtrack in general is just amazing and like yeah. I mean, when I heard that Adam Schlesinger pass away and also it was the same time like Tom Hanks and, and his wife, Rita, both were, you know, dealing with COVID-19 as well. And they were lucky, you know, that he unfortunately was not. But at the time, Adam Schlesinger had, uh, was in this band called Ivy and he had just started to form Fountains of Wayne. Um, you know, they're famous for Stacy's Mom's Got It Going On. If you don't know Fountains of Wayne, I'm sure you've heard that song. Yeah, I like Fountain of Wayne. They're bet they they kind of ended up being a one-hit wonder, which is a shame because yeah. they actually have a lot of great songs. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he actually wrote the song. Fountains of Wayne was just starting. They had, I think, they had just signed with the label or something, and there was a big songwriting contest going on uh, where Tom Hanks and the producers wanted people to write faux Beatles songs called "That Thing You Do." They had the title. You know, write a song Name called the movie. Thing You yeah. Do. Name of the movie. It better be called that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, Adam Schlesinger had a version that was picked out of 300 entries. The demo that won actually featured singer Mike Viola, who was a big musician. I think he was in this band called Cherry Butchers or something. And he went solo and started doing a lot of music, but also started doing a lot of music for film. We were talking about Walk Hard earlier. He wrote a lot of music for walk hard and Mike Viola was hung over at the time when they recorded this, when the track was actually made uh, for the film, they recorded in California. Mike Viola came back to do the vocals. And I want to say that he did some other vocals later 
in the film as well. It's really hard to figure out who actually performed on some of yeah, these songs. It's yeah. so confusing because they tried to go, you, we were talking about this a little bit, but they were trying to go so like, this is a real band. This was a real band that like it gets buried. Like when you're looking up, Oh, who recorded little wild one? It's like the wonders. And it's like, but who was singing on <laughs> yeah, it? Who is it's the really wonders? hard. It's really who hard to figure out. So yeah, it changes song to song. Yeah. I was struggling. Cause when you listen to it, there's a, a couple of songs that sound like it's Mike Viola who's saying that thing you do. But then there's other songs that were obviously recorded by a couple of different people. I'll get to them in a second. Yeah. But the song itself, that thing you do was released as a single in real life. And it wasn't as successful in the film. Like it didn't reach number two, uh, but it did moderately well. And it peaked at 41 on Billboard Hot 100. So it's not bad. Not bad. Not bad for like a faux beat or something. <laughs> yeah. It was also nominated for the 1996 Glo- uh, Golden Globe Award. And as well as the 1996 Academy Award for Best Original Song. And I don't know how it didn't win. I don't know what else was going on that year. What but beat it's it? like, how could that not win? Let's look. 1996. <laughs> Colors of the Wind. <gasps> okay, fair enough. That's the fucking banger. From Pocahontas. Yeah. Can you so, paint with all the colors of the wind? <laughs> that's a great song but at the same time how can any song ever mean any more to a film than that thing you do (laughs) to this film it's like the quintessential song for a film anyway the uh the score the film score was actually as we joked about like quite a few weeks ago in our philadelphia episode howard shore did the score for that uh and then also, other songs that the Wonders performed were All My Only Dreams, Dance With Me Tonight. Uh, they were written by Rick Elias and Scott Rogness. Rick Elias and Scott Rogness mixed up a little bit of Beatles, a little bit of Stones, a little bit of Dave Clark 5 to come up with the sound of the Wonders. Again, this is why I'm always confused, though. I don't know who performed the vocals. I think these two guys recorded the vocals for these recordings that are on the soundtrack, but in the film... Mm. It st- still sounds like Jimmy. I can't. I know. I can't it's tell. So Dance with me tonight. Uh, Lenny is singing lead on it. Yeah, yeah. So it Lenny sings different. Yeah. So um, and that and that works. That works. That but, works. But the other one—that's one, one of my favorite songs as well. Me too. That's such actually a, a banger. Yeah. Such a great. Song. Come on. Yeah. Elias and Rogness, though, they were actually in the movie as Playtone band members, and I also read somewhere that Chris Isaac was one of the Playtone band members. So that would have made. I don't sense. know. He should have played like the Wolfman or whoever the fuck. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, Scott Pell, Wolfman. Yeah, we'll do uh, lunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then also Elias and Rugness wrote that alternative "That Thing You Do" song that plays at the end of the film, and also they wrote "She Knows It," which is both of those seem to be credited as Jimmy and the Herdsman songs which were Jimmy's songs post-Wonders Breakup. That's why I love this shit, because they have, like, so deep. songs for fake bands. And, like, that don't even exist, <laughs> that in, the don't movie. exist in the movie. Uh, you have Little Why One was written by the power pop group Gigolo Aunt as a faux Beatles song that was submitted to the film from their record label for consideration. So another okay. example of just a random song coming from another band. Uh, to save money on actual 60s music, though, Tom Hanks actually wrote a number of songs 
for the film, including the opening song, Loving You Lots and Lots, which was credited, to, <laughs> is credited to the Norm Wooster singers. Uh, Wooster? And then along with Gary Gottsman and Mark Piccarillo, Tom Hanks also wrote, wrote Mr. Downtown, which was the Freddie Fredrickson song. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, Soundtrack is banger after banger. I thought that was a real song. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, all these songs like, are so good. I thought they were all real songs. But yeah, they were just like, I don't want to spend money on six actual 60s music. The royalties are like, you know, like this. To, to pay for it or whatever is just really expensive the and then the rights for it and Tom Hanks was just like and also I just did like Forrest Gump it was you know essentially just all 60s the quintessential anyways. 60s soundtrack <laughs> yeah. like Forrest Gump is like the best of 60s 70s like yeah sort of alternative like you don't even have to go to an actual compilation just listen yeah. to that soundtrack it's got everything on it <laughs> Yeah, Mike Piccarello also wrote Diane Dane's song My World Is Over and some other of the fictional songs in the film like the Saturn V surf song that plays during a montage. So yeah, there's just like insane. I love this soundtrack. Dude. It's so good. I listen to it pretty often like over the years. Like no lie, just genuinely enjoy it. I think it's just like really fun. I'm a big fan of like rock and roll anyway and like 60s garage music great like surf music's great so this is like it's amazing it all just sounds like from the era it's so good it's so authentic and it like keeps the film from ever like slowing down yeah like it just keeps the pace up keeps it really watchable and it's just really enjoyable and like really believable and yeah like i love surf like surf rock surf music yeah i like I just miss that sort of sound. I like guitar music, and there's so much of it in this film. Mm-hmm. And it's just all, yeah, it's all really catchy, really enjoyable. So the soundtrack was actually released under the Playtone name in real life in conjunction with Epic Records. Uh, it was a hit itself as well. It was peaked at uh, 21 on Billboard Top 200 Albums chart. The CD artwork is like a replica of the fictional Playtone label. Um, used in the movie and like i said there's some liner notes in there that are done in a mockumentary style that sort of tell you more events about after the fact so you could check that out if you want to look further uh tom hanks later used the success of that thing you do though to springboard and launch an actual playtone records label uh which he like released soundtracks to like all of his subsequent films and then other big films like Bring It On and television programs like The Sopranos. Uh, and then also Playtone became his production company with the co-producer Gary Gottsman. So you you will see Playtone all the time on Tom Hanks films. And, I'm going to say, yeah. I've noticed that in a few movies and I'm always like, that thing you do. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's usually I'm like, I'd rather be watching that thing you do. Than <laughs> uh, it's weird to see before like a very serious movie, you know, like Captain Phillips. Playtone. Yeah. Playtone. <laughs> Film was released to relative praise. I mean, from critics, it's got a pretty decent, uh, still to this day, I think Rotten Tomato score is pretty high. Uh, the film itself grossed a little over 25 million domestically, and then about eight over 8 million abroad. Worldwide gross was over 34 million. So it didn't do gangbusters at the box office, but it made its money. It was a bit of a hit. It didn't do Mamma Jamma numbers. Yeah, didn't do Mamma Jamma numbers, but it was a hit. It was a relative hit. And then it sort of faded into obscurity a little bit 
on TV yeah, all the time. Such a shame. It's it's but really I, weird. I feel like everyone should be talking about this film all the time. All the time. <laughs> now it's had like a sort of resurgence. Um, yeah, definitely. But yeah, it should have done more for the people involved just because they're so good at it. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, like I don't know how like Tom Everett Scott wasn't a bigger star. John Jonathan Sheck, like, you know, I thought he would have been a huge star. He's got that look. Yeah, he's got that look. But yeah, maybe it's just weird because a lot of people always are surprised how nice he is in real life because he's, he's such, such a, a dick. dick in this movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> such a dick. Well, in 2007, like I mentioned, Tom Hanks released an extended edition, a director's cut. It was released on DVD. The film's theatrical cut uh, was included, but then the extended cut added about 39 minutes of deleted scenes. And along with the aforementioned scene of Mr. White's boyfriend, like I said, there's a lot of scenes that are just like character development, like things with Guy and Tina uh, early in their relationship. And then more development of the relationship between Guy and Faye that leads to a little bit more like, you know, it makes more sense, I think, in the overall package that they got together. Uh, There's some stuff with like the band rehearsing and stuff and, there was more camera time devoted to the uh, bass player and the and his little fling with the singers from the Chanterlines at the end of the extended edition. Rather than becoming a studio drummer on the recommendation of Del Paxson, Guy actually becomes a disc jockey for the jazz station that uh, Clint Howard worked at because he basically calls him up and he's like, "Oh, I've like I'm hanging out with like Del Paxson and all these like." famous musicians at this studio and the guy was like well if you go and get some interviews with these guys then you know i'll get you a job here so he actually secures a job at a radio station <laughs> wait that's yeah. dumb that makes yeah. way more sense to just be a drummer and yeah. that bit with that dj it's so like inauthentic <laughs> yeah. like that dj clearly phoning it in <laughs> like like guys like getting really excited he's like you know i listened to this record to del Paxton with willie walker whatever and he's like and we played it in the high school band and the guy's like yeah del Paxton in the high school band that's wild oh man i love that scene lenny just <laughs> yeah. ruins everything all the time he stayed up way past midnight <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man uh, so in 2017, Tom Everett, Scott, Jonathan Sheck, and Ethan Embry actually reunited to perform the song with comedian Josh Adam Myers uh, during Myers' goddamn comedy jam uh, <laughs> at the Roxy in L.A. Steve Zahn, unfortunately, couldn't make it because he like lives in Kentucky now, I think, so he wasn't able to just like easily meet up with them. But yeah, that might have been this like recording that you've seen recently that's popped up. I think it came up around... April around the time soon after Adam Schlesinger's death, they were doing a lot of stuff uh, around, mm-hmm. you know, quarantine times and stuff. Um, so yeah, that song in, in general though, that thing you do, I mean, it's been covered like so many times over the years as well. It's the knack did a version in sync used to record, uh, perform it on tour. Uh, there's a punk band called set it off that did a version of it. Uh, and most recently, Billy Joe Armstrong of Green Day recorded a version during quarantine to honor yeah, Adam that, yeah. Schlesinger. So, yeah, like I said, like this song's coming back a little bit. The band was doing a lot more stuff. And very recently they did 
a Zoom call with Rolling Stone to talk about the film and pay tribute to Adam Schlesinger. And then they also announced that they were doing their COVID fundraising live stream uh, where they watch. It was like a that thing you do watch party on YouTube. It's actually still up. So if you want it to go put the film on after you listen to this, watch it alongside the Wonders and a few other surprise cast mem- members drop in. And they even mentioned that Mondo is going to re-release <laughs> the soundtrack soon. No way! <laughs> oh so, yeah. shit! I Chop cannot wait for that. <laughs> cannot wait for that. I guess the big takeaway, you know, it sucks. Adam Schlesinger passed away. I was really happy that these guys were all doing some really nice things for him. Tom Hanks had a really nice, uh, you know, message when he passed away as well, basically saying that he was the wonder. Like you know, mm. like without him, there wouldn't be the film. There wouldn't be that amazing yeah, that song. song in the yeah. film. Yeah. And I think that's one of the most important things about this film is the fact that it actually worked perfectly just having like this incredible song. And it's such a, you know, such a classic in my opinion. You know, hopefully one day it's just like remembered, you know, in the future forever, just as like this amazing moment. Hopefully, maybe one day kids will just think it's an actual 60s song. <laughs> like, hey, have you ever heard of this yeah. band called The Wonders? Anyway, that's uh, that thing you do. That's us done. That was a really long episode, but I love this film. I love The Wonders. I love, like, fuck it, man. I don't know what's going on the whole world right now, but, you know, Tom Hanks. I wish he would do more films like That Thing You Do. He's directed a few other things throughout his career, yeah. but, man... That one. thing you do just hits so hard. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking slap. Yeah, man. What do you got to say in closing? Hmm. I mean, not like that thing you do in a really fun movie. I don't know how much enjoyment you get out of it if you're not like nostalgic for it. Mm-hmm. But like, I just find it like a warm hug of a movie. Yeah. I just like the way it looks. I like the way it sounds. It moves so quickly. And... Like it's snappy. naturally, it's, na- it's snappy. <laughs> I want something snappy. I want you to record that thing you do in Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> no more lovers lament crap. <laughs> Here we go, going off to write that hit song "Alone in My Principles." <laughs> I love that. That's at the end that Jimmy like his hit song was "Alone in My Principles" my or his hit album or something. Yeah, <laughs> the Herdsman. <laughs> the Herdsman. The Herd. Uh, um, Jimmy and the Herdsman. Yeah. You feel me? Like it's so quotable. It's so. Yeah. It's got an amazing cast. Yeah. Like these kids are just so good. You're seeing people at the beginning of their career. And even Tom Hanks introducing something cool into the mix because he's a very. You know, he's a comfortable character because he's Tom Hanks. We love Tom Hanks. We know the voice. We know the face. We know the gloves. Um, <laughs> But like he's actually kind of like intimidating in the movie. Yeah, and, but then end up, but then end up, you know, still being really fair to them at the end. You yeah, know, like nobody going to jail. Like, like you know, feel free to hang out. That sort of thing. Yeah, Set I think it complements last week's episode really well. Being another character that Tom Hanks plays that's not necessarily the nicest, most likable guy. Like, you know, he's you know, Mr. White's really great, but at the same time he's got that edge to him that's like he's a businessman you know like when guy goes to speak to him and he's just like hey like uh you know 
I don't know. Like, uh, I don't. I don't know if we want to like leave Phil here. You know, you're our manager. You know, like we've been with you, and he's just like, oh, well, you know, if you want to stay here with Phil and record with the you know Three Rivers crowd, then be my guest. <laughs> and he starts to get up to leave, and it's just like, damn, like, no, no, no. that's a businessman. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, he's great. Yeah, no, the cast is great, and it's really like well realized character. Mm-hmm. Like, even if you don't get much from everyone, everything you get reinforced into who they are. Like, throw away shot of TB player doing push up. Like, yeah. if, you know, and you know where it's leading. And, like, you know, uh, Lenny constantly hitting on girl until eventually he convinces that reception to go with him, <laughs> drive to Vegas. And then that's great right at the end. He's like, where the hell is Lenny? And they cut to him in Vegas getting married. Oh, so and it's like, I'm so happy. <laughs> and he tipped the priest. He just like put a bunch of chips into his Bible. Um, yeah. But no, it's funny. It's sweet. It's simple. Yeah. But I like it. And it's great music. Great like yeah. throwback 60 music. And just really fun. And it's a good sort of just escape from right now like again it's absolutely just yeah. nice, a good film to throw on yeah that's what we're trying to do for you guys ladies and gentlemen if you want to know why we pick certain <laughs> films a lot of times we're discovering why we pick them while we're fucking recording it seems but yeah i mean yeah, this exactly. is a feel good movie uh it just made sense to talk about it right now i guess i just want all you guys to stay safe out there i know the world's starting to open up a little bit and you know it's still a bit uncertain but you know uh if you're not going out just enjoy yourself watch films like that thing you do just enjoy, you know just try to have a good time yeah or well, listen to us talk about yeah. it listen to us talk about it listen to the soundtrack the as well you're gonna yeah. be really you know happy after this episode i'm sure hopefully <laughs> hopefully i'll put a lot of music in it um and hope i don't get sued <laughs> <laughs> that thing you do 11 times yeah uh, that's us wrapping up. Uh, as always, you can hit us up at the PCC podcast on Twitter and Instagram, or you can email us at podcast at princecharlescinema.com. And also hit us up on patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast. We're doing a lot of good things over there. Uh, it's the best way to support us as podcasters. Uh, you know, if you want to help us out, if not, whatever, you know, just keep listening every week, leave a rating and review on whatever you're listening on. And also, hit up the princecharlescinema.com buy some tickets get some merch at pccwebstore.com help us out make us actually able to open <laughs> uh phil where can people find you uh the usual bot at far with that on twitter and in real life obviously yeah. um uh and on dog now met um and you know i'll be just wondering you know, around the house, humming the thing you do to myself. Sick. <laughs> trying, you know, trying to, um, they, uh, oh, <laughs> I've completely lost words. Yeah. Words? Yes, words. It's going to be Music. a fun edit. Cause yeah, I've I'm done sorry. that quite a few times myself as well. Uh, during this episode but yeah well you can find me as always at tall for all t-a-l-l the number four a-l-l on twitter instagram and facebook and yeah i mean i don't know what i'm doing you know it doesn't matter if i say this now because like when this episode goes out it'll be after the fact but my birthday's on saturday happy birthday (laughs) i don't know what i'm doing but uh anyway it should be fun 
you know, no plans? lockdown, lockdown uh, birthdays, you know. How's get some beer. How's it going? Get some tunes. Beer and tunes. Hopefully the weather shining on you. That thing you do, uh, soundtrack. <laughs> that thing you do, just on repeat. Yeah. Golden. Crying in Golden. a corner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Drunk listening to that thing you do. <laughs> in the shower. <laughs> With my clothes on. <laughs> yeah, like fucking the Ace Ventura. <laughs> All right, bye, guys. Um, where are I, John? Wait, wait. What? Before we go, mm-hmm. I have to tell you something, and I hate to just bring it on you. Okay. I've always wanted to, you know, do this. I, I quit. I quit. I quit. I quit, John. <laughs> <laughs>